Hi, welcome to State House Soundbites, WITF's Pennsylvania Politics Podcast. I'm Katie Meyer, State Capitol Bureau Chief for WITF. You can hear my reports on public radio stations across the state. We're recording this episode on Friday, July 7th at 12, just about noon, at uh, Little Amps Coffee Shop. Uh, the state budget's now just about a week past its deadline, and with me to talk about that is Mark Levy of the Associated Press. Mark, thanks for coming down. Thanks for having me. And uh, so a couple of things to talk about. First off, I just want to kind of give a, a refresher on what we know so far about the budget. So we had a spending plan passed last week. This time last week, it's about $32 billion. Um, you made some people mad last week reporting that, uh, as the AP usually does, um, about how the spending differs from... Um, last year. So, yeah, what's what's going with that? Right. So this this kind of ties into a long-standing practice in in uh, in Pennsylvania government where um, they will increase spending but sometimes they will take part of that increase and put it back on the closing books of the of the last fiscal year to make the spending increase look smaller than it really is or has to be. And so be, because you're not inside their private meetings when they negotiate this, the and because they've admitted to doing this time and time again of, you know, lowering their their spending increase by moving money off the books of that of the coming fiscal year, I've taken to taking the entire spending increase wherever they put it, whichever books they put it on, and comparing it to the last enacted budget of the previous fiscal year. Um, I came away with a three percent increase. That would be $870 million on top of a baseline of $31.5 billion. Um, the official books will make it look like there's barely any increase at all, um, maybe $50 million, give or take. But um, without considering all the money that they're newly authorizing, I think you're sort of missing the point of what they are doing there financially. Yeah, and so that does, as I said, sort of anger some people who say that, no, this is flat-funded. But there's definitely – there are funds that are moved around that we don't necessarily know where they're going. I think that's probably the easiest way to say that it's it's hard to track where money is in the state. It is. This is a huge state government. They have a lot of off-budget programs that they can, they can tap money from, and they can put – uh, spending programs or, or spending items onto those funds, so they move a, they move them off of their budget, so the budget doesn't really grow as fast. But they're using outside funds to keep paying for stuff that they used to pay for with general tax revenues. So, um, um, and and it's a very sensitive item, the spending increase, when you need Republican votes, and this is a Republican-controlled legislature. Conservatives will want to see a spending increase that's flat or as small as possible. And when you need votes for it, um, you're going to tailor your your pitch to them to make it look like the spending increase is as small as possible. And I want to note, you said this is not a new practice. I think you told me it started really under Governor Ed Rendell two governors ago. Or? You know, that's when I started covering budgets. Okay, and that's, so when I be- that's when I became aware of the practice. For all I know, it goes back you know, for decades, but, um, and I'll give you two examples of how they do it. Um, and this is from the last several years. There was one instance, uh, when they were approving the budget for the, uh, uh, 2011, 2012 fiscal year, the legislature wanted to put an extra hundred million dollars into public schools at a time when, um, the governor had proposed, this is governor Tom Corbett had proposed a big cut. Um, 
for whatever reason, the governor's office did not want that money going on the books of the 11-12 fiscal year. So they put that $100 million onto the previous fiscal year's books, 10-11, even though it was going to be spent in 11-12. Yeah. And so even today when you go back and look at the books, the money was is on the books of 10-11, even though it was supposed to be spent in 11-12. And... And then uh, in the 14-15 fiscal year, they bumped $400 million in Medicaid payments to a later fiscal year. They essentially said, we're going to change the payment schedule by two weeks. So it's no longer in June, but in July of the following fiscal year, so that counties and insurers who administer these programs will get their money two weeks later, and that will lighten our fiscal year load by $400 million. All right. So sort of a dry fiscal note to the start the podcast, but mm-hmm. I think that is an important thing to note, that it's really tricky to t- track where this money is going. So now getting into uh, the budget negotiations as they stand right now. Um, so we have a spending plan passed. There's no revenue plan to fill it. Uh, you know, they had 10 days to get this done, and so our deadline is Monday at midnight, and that is when the budget becomes law without the governor's signature, whether or not it is balanced. That happened last year. There's some real question about whether or not that is constitutional, but it right. I mean, happened last year with no ill effects, as far as I could tell. So I yeah, mean, you the, were just asking the governor about that, weren't you? Well, I was asking him something different, whether it's constitutional to balance the budget with long-term borrowing. Okay. But what the governor did last year is he took a, he took a gamble. Yeah. Uh, there were questions whether it is constitutional to allow a budget to become law, even though the money, the funding, hasn't been signed into law to pay for that spending. Right. So, but um, now there's a precedent for it since we did do it last year and it worked out apparently. So, I mean, do you see that being an issue this year? You know, I, I don't know. The, the governor um, is is not saying what he's going to do, how he's going to handle this. Um, it may be that last year he felt that things were so close that if he just gave them a little bit more time, they would deliver a funding package, and they did three days later. Um, this year, you know, we're sitting here on Friday, uh, July 7th, and uh, it's, it's hard to tell whether there's really anything gelling in their private negotiations. We, we hear a little bit, we don't hear a lot, but it doesn't feel like anything is close. So that, let's talk about those negotiations. So we just talked to Governor Wolf, who was signing a bill today, so we cornered him there. Um, he didn't really give us very much information, uh, as is his usual practice. Uh, but we got a letter. Uh, House members got a letter, and it was released publicly from um, Senate, or House Majority Leader Dave Reed, saying, essentially, I mean, it sounded like it was a fairly tensely worded letter. So what, what did you take away from that? Yeah, I think I think everyone in, in in the press corps took away from that that it was a um, a line drawing in the sand, um, and it would be one thing if it were May fifteenth or even June first, but it's it, it was written on July sixth and distributed. Um, so that doesn't bode well for the coming days. People keep saying there's no agreements on anything that may or may not be. You know, right. completely true. It's hard to tell, but um, so to, to elaborate on yeah. Reed's letter, so he said, "Line in the sand." The line that he was drawing essentially was that the House is not going to support tax increases. That's something that they said they don't want sales or income tax, referred to as broad-based taxes, um, and that they've been pushing. They kind of they did have sort of a menu of revenue options out on the table that included internet gaming, um, expanded. Uh, 
video gaming terminals, legalized video gaming terminals, as well as some alcohol expansions that they say add up to around $2 billion in revenue. The Senate says that doesn't add up to $2 billion in revenue. Um, a, lot, a lot of people say that doesn't add up, Inclu- including Tom Wolf's own Department of Revenue says right. that the main piece of gambling that the House is looking for would be extremely unlikely to produce any money in the first year. And when it does produce money, it will take money away from casinos and the Pennsylvania Lottery, which produce money for the state. So... So some real questions about whether the House's package, fiscal package is in fact valid. But Dave Reed in his letter was saying these are good proposals. We're not going for any tax increases and we're only going to compromise really to a certain extent on this. Uh, the Senate um, has had some uh, words of its own. Yeah, um, the, the, the Senate has floated various different items, um, but, they, but primarily they've talked about borrowing. Right. And um, when you, even House Republicans aren't really sure what prompted Dave Reed's letter, everyone's sort of reading tea leaves as to what he was responding to. Was he responding to... Republican senators saying um, they were done considering the House's more ambitious gambling ideas? Was he responding to um, the Senate's insistence on borrowing? Nobody's really um, said that they're they're uh, insisting on uh, a sales or income tax increase. Um, but so what's he, he said he's against broad-based taxes. Well, what's a broad-based tax? What's his definition of it? Right. So it's it's a bit of a mystery what exactly he was responding to. Yeah. And so there's a real question about whether or not the Senate, I think, would potentially support a more limited tax. There's been talks about changing how um, drinks in bars are taxed, taxing them as individual drinks and not just taxing the wholesaler um, or the retailer. So, I mean, I mean, do you see that as being a legitimate option on the table? It's hard to tell. I mean, Republican senators say um, it's not dead, um, but I haven't heard the House say that they like it. I haven't heard the governor say that he likes it. I think the governor's words were that it didn't make him feel warm and fuzzy. (laughs) Um, So we've got borrowing up to probably a billion and a half dollars of borrowing. Governor Wolf has seemed relatively amenable to borrowing really to cover the entire shortfall from last fiscal year. Um, That's a billion and a half dollars. So that would come out of uh, the state tobacco fund probably. That's been the one that's brought up again and again. They haven't told us how much they're going to borrow or how that would affect, you know, the programs that are currently getting money from the tobacco fund. So that's on the table. Possible liquor expansions, we've heard very little about what that would look like. Gaming expansions, at least iGaming is probably going to happen, it seems. Anything else that we're hearing right now? You know, there's a lot of different ideas floating around, and and, and the thing that makes that notable is that it's July 7th. So to the extent that things are still getting kicked around and are, are flying around the Capitol, either rumor or there's something to it, it's hard to tell. But the fact that it's July 7th and that's happening um, does not speak to an imminent agreement. And you've covered budgets under a few administrations. Have you seen a year where, I mean, obviously 2015 was a year where we had a long deadlock. Uh, 
you know, where does this fit in the context of other ones that you've seen? You know, it's, it's hard to tell. Nobody really knows. Everyone may have a prediction. Um, most people end up being wrong. We've seen budgets go a few days over. We've seen them go, as, as you just mentioned, uh, nine months over. We've seen it go three months, a few weeks. So it's, it's hard to tell where this ends up. Okay. And so this isn't happening in a vacuum. Um, we've been getting lots of input from outside uh, you know, interests. Uh, one of the most notable, I believe, was Standard & Poor's credit rating agency. And uh, Pennsylvania's credit rating as a state was already not super good, um, as it is, I think it's like double A negative, I think. It, it depends on the rating agency, yeah, but the, what, rating, but the common theme among all the rating agencies is that Pennsylvania is in the bottom five to ten states as a result of five downgrades by three agencies between 2012 and 2014 because yeah. because Pennsylvania never fixed its a, a, a structural deficit, a long-term deficit that emerged from the recession. It has never fixed it, and it is still unable to fix it. And uh, S&P put out a sharply worded uh, statement on Pennsylvania yesterday that warned of another downgrade. Now, it's important to realize that 40 states are rated better by Standard & Poor's than Pennsylvania. 40 states. If Pennsylvania is downgraded, it will be in the bottom five of states with states like Illinois, New Jersey, Kentucky. Um, states that are notorious for not passing budgets and having really dire fiscal situations. Yeah, and have a lot of debt. And um, and uh, let me just read one passage from what, uh, what Standard & Poor's said because it really leaped out at me. It said... Uh, Pennsylvania's chronic misalignment and eroding general fund position, particularly during a period of economic growth, demonstrate a pattern of financial mismanagement. And so, you know, different people are going to point to different people at being at fault about uh, that financial mismanagement. But really, I think the bottom line is there needs to be either sustained cuts or sustained new revenue coming in and we haven't really had either one. We've had cuts over the years. But, uh, Silly, what does this mean for the state? What does this mean for negotiations right now? Look, it, 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 it means that, um, you know, borrowing, uh, transferring funds from off-budget, um, it means that um, doing stuff with gambling and liquor that count on one-time upfront fees that's going to get a downgrade. Those are one-timers. That's what's dominating the conversation right now. The governor put out a $1 billion tax package with his budget in February, and it's been put to the side by Republican leaders of the legislature who um, have shown no interest in it. But the, the dominant portions of the conversation that we're hearing about will get Pennsylvania downgrade from S&P. And what happens if we get downgraded? We, we pay more to borrow money. Um, <laughs> Which is something, incidentally, that we're thinking about doing to balance our budget. So yeah. is that, I mean... Right, and, 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 and borrowing means we'll be paying, you know, $2 billion to borrow a billion and a half, you know, long term. So it's, it's the cost of having downgrades and an unbalanced budget brings costs yeah. millions of dollars and do you see this S&P letter which I agree I mean I haven't seen such a strongly worded letter from a credit rating agency since I've been here um, do you see that 
<laughs> affecting negotiations here? Do you see that having an impact on what lawmakers are considering? I'm not sure. They, um, I mean, they already knew that this was the situation, essentially. Sure, I mean, they, they must have known um, that this was a possibility, even a likelihood. In the past, when they've been warned by a, a rating agency, um, Republicans, and I say Republicans because they've been charged of the legislature for the last seven years, more or less, um, that they've tended to sort of pour cold water on what rating agencies or the importance of what rating agencies think. But um, th- this was a particularly sharply worded uh, statement by S&P, and I, I read a Bloomberg piece uh, uh, today noting that the rating agencies are losing patience with states that um, aren't dealing well with their, with their deficits. And, uh, all right, so going forward, we've got uh, negotiations scheduled for the weekend, so I think we'll both be working this weekend. Um, you know, are we – does it look like there's going to be – I mean, I know you know this as well as I do, meaning we don't know, but <laughs> do you think they're going to make their Monday at midnight deadline? Does it seem like they're – It's it, – I, I would guess that if you asked everyone in the Capitol what they thought, most people would say no. Most people would say no. Now, this is, again, this mirrors very closely what we saw last year. And so is this just, I suppose, how long can this go on? How long can they continue passing these budgets that don't quite meet at the ends? And how long can we, like, do the same thing year after year and not see real consequences for it? I mean, I guess we're already seeing real consequences with our credit downgrades. But, uh, you know, what, what's the outcome here? It's hard to tell. Hard to tell. Um, you, you know, look, if, I, I think there's maybe deep down there's some folks in the Capitol who believe that the state's revenues will rebound and um, what we're looking at right now will be a different picture in a year. Um, it could be that the picture is worse in a year. Um, but uh, clearly there's people who are willing to wait it out um, and, and not raise taxes or not pursue uh, serious uh, spending cuts. All right. Well, uh, I think that pretty much does it. I think that's sort of a a picture of what we're looking at going into this weekend, and we'll certainly know more. I guess maybe we'll know more coming out of it on the other side. But uh, We may may be in the same position a week from now. We may be in the same position two months from now. (laughs) Hopefully not. All right, Mark, anything else you think we should know before we sign off for the day? No, it's just uh, we're kind of entering uh, uh, an unknown stretch here, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how it works out. All right. Mark Levy with the AP, thank you for giving us an update today. Thanks for having me. And uh, we will be back maybe sooner than next week if anything important happens. But if not, expect another podcast next Friday.